Today on Spiritual Awakening Radio, Masters, Competent, Qualified Spiritual Teachers, Sant Sat Gurus. But first, this message of hope from Julian P. Johnson, his spiritual classic, The Path of the Masters. While we sojourn in this dark region of matter, we have to deal with the negative power. With him we must contend in our struggles for spiritual freedom. It is his duty to try to hold us here, while it is our duty to try to escape. The resulting struggle purges us and makes us strong and fits us for our homeward journey. This everlasting flight, this struggle in a welter of pain and blood and heart cries, is designed by the Supreme Father to purge us and make us clean, ready for our homeward ascent. Let us never become discouraged. All of this is designed by the Father for our benefit. It is much as if one enters a gymnasium to take exercise. If we meet these difficulties in the right spirit, we shall greatly profit by them. The idea of pain and struggle is to purge us and inspire in us a longing to rise above the regions of pain and shadow. The message of the Masters fills the world with hope, and at the same time it offers a rational foundation for such hope. It not only tells people what they should do, but it offers them a definite method of doing it. In the march of the ages, cycle after cycle, in every planet where human beings reside, the great masters are the light-bearers of that world. Until the end of the ages, they will remain the friends and saviors of those who struggle toward the light. Julian P. Johnson I have a few mandates part of my spiritual mission with radio and the World Wide Web. To promote the vegan cause, which is good for the planet, reduces animal and human suffering in the world. Also to promote an awareness of the lost spirituality of the West, such as the lost books of the Bible and the spiritual contents of the Gnostic Gospels, showing the Sant Mat-like teachings and mysticism that once upon a time was at home in the West with its galaxy of fascinating saints, sages, and mystics. And I am here to promote a clearer understanding and appreciation of the bhakti, love and devotion, mystic poetry, and wisdom of the classic saints of India and the more recent saints or saints. I especially always seek to share with everyone the wisdom of Sant Tulsi Sahib of Hathras and his spiritual successors up to the living present, greatly benefiting everyone, no matter who their initiating master happens to be, promoting a clearer understanding of Sant Mat, the path of the masters in the world of the West and actually in the world of the East as well. The goal of Sant Mat spirituality and meditation, 
our path back to the source, our inward journey back to God. This is the essence of the message of the Masters. Sant Mat, the path and teachings as taught and practiced by saints, Sant Sat Gurus, delineates the path of the union of the soul with God. The teachings of the saints explain the reuniting as follows. The individual soul has descended from the higher worlds, the realm of the divine, to this city of illusion or bodily existence. It has descended from the soundless state to the essence of sound, from that sound to the light, and finally from the realm of light to the realm of darkness. The qualities, dharmas, natural tendencies of the sense organs draw us downward and away from our true nature. The nature of the soul or Atman draws us upwards and inwards and establishes us in our own true nature. Returning to our origins involves turning inward. Withdrawal of consciousness from the senses and the sense objects in order to go upward from the darkness to the realms of light and sound. Another way to express this is to go inward from the external sense organs to the depth of the inner self. The natural tendencies of the soul or Atman are to move from outward to inward. The current of consciousness which is dispersed in the nine gates of the body and the senses must be collected at the tenth gate. The tenth gate is the gathering point of consciousness. Therein lies the path for our return. The tenth gate is also known as the sixth chakra, the third eye, Bindu, the center located between the two eyebrows. This is the gateway through which we leave the gates of the sense organs and enter in the divine realms and finally become established in the soul. We travel back from the realm of darkness to the realm of light from the light to the divine sound, and from the realm of sound to the soundless state. This is called turning back to the source. This is what Dharma or religion really intends to teach us. This is the essence of Dharma. That's a passage from my beloved Satguru Swami Sant Seviji Maharaj in the lineage of Sant Tulsi Sahib of Hathras. From his wonderful book, The Harmony of All Religions, a kind of gospel of Sant Mat, if you will, in a couple of paragraphs.
I begin today's program on the subject of masters, competent, qualified spiritual teachers or sant sat gurus, with this question. My mailbag feature, my inbox feature, questions from listeners. Can there be more than one living master at a time? Or is there only usually one master at a time on planet Earth? Well, my answer is emphatically yes. Of course, there are more than one. But let's see what Huzur Baba Sawan Singh said about this. Huzur Baba Sawan Singh, the great master of Bayas, once said, It is not necessary that there should only be one master in the whole world or even in a single country. There have been different masters in different countries at the same time, and even in the same country. Thus Guru Nanak and Kabir were contemporaries, and so also Dadu and Guru Arjan Dev. But their teaching is the same at all times and in every country. Azur Baba Sanwan Singh, so much for the idea that there can only be one true master at a time on planet Earth. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to send those questions to me at this address, james at spiritualawakeningradio.com james at spiritualawakeningradio.com or leave a text message at this number 508-603-9381 I'm always looking for new questions for my mailbag segment my inbox segment since we're talking about masters competent qualified spiritual teachers or sant sat gurus spiritually advanced teachers who are worthy guides. Back to Samhain Singh and discussion about there being more than one living master on planet Earth. We know that Samhain Singh met with other gurus of Santmat during his day. He met with Maharishi Mehi Paramhans. Samhain Singh also met with Shivbrat Lal, who was a disciple and one of the successors of Huzur Maharaj Rai Salagram of the Radhaswami faith. Samhain Singh met with Baba Fakir Chand. Samhain Singh met with and even had an agreement, signed an agreement with the Dayal Bagh Guru of Agra. And Samhain Singh was quite involved with the affairs of another Baba Jamal Singh lineage based at Tarn Tarn, even appointing a guru for the Tarn Tarn or Tarn Taran branch of the Radhaswami faith. And that lineage lives on, is somewhere out there, branching out in a few different directions of their own. In terms of Sant Mat history, there has never been a time during the last several centuries when there was only one Sant-Sat Guru operating in the world. The reality is there have been multiple lineages of spiritual masters contemporary with one another. Since at least the time of Kabir and Guru Nanak in the 14th century, both Guru Kabir and Guru Nanak were 
founding gurus who appointed spiritual successors. These are guru lineages now, spanning many generations. Generally speaking, we have the various Sikh gurus in one line, and the successors and devotees of Guru Kabir in another line of masters, or multiple lines of masters actually at this point. And there are many more lineages than those two general Nanak and Kabir categories. Quite a few famous and highly celebrated saints of India were not only initiated by, or, or rather were not initiated by a saint guru affiliated with either of the Nanak or Kabir-related sects. For instance, in the southern saint tradition, saint Tukarama of Maharashtra was initiated by a different guru back in 1619, a guru that had no connection whatsoever to Kabir or Guru Nanak. Where did he come from? Don't know. All a mystery. At the same time, the 10th Sikh guru, or Guru Gobind Singh, was alive, was another master. And that master was the Sat guru who initiated Sant Paltu Sahib, who lived from 1710 through 1780. Paltu became a, a highly quoted and well-renowned and highly known poet-mystic and saint. There was also Saint Dadu Dayal of Rajasthan. Dadu was initiated by a master by the name of Budhan back in the year 1555. Dadu would eventually establish a satsang center and appoint successors to carry on. Thus we have another multi-generational lineage of gurus that have been based in Rajasthan in northwestern India. And it does not end there. One could cite scores and scores of similar examples of recognized and highly celebrated saints whose poetry is quoted or hymns or bhajans are sung on a regular basis in satsangs all around the world being initiated by gurus that, in some cases, we know virtually nothing about. And then there is Darya Sahib of Bihar. Darya was born in 1674 and passed on in 1780. At the age of 16, Darya was initiated into Surat Shab Yoga, or Inner Light and Sound Meditation, by a Sant Mat master referred to as Sat Sahib. Darya eventually became the successor of Sat Sahib, and a towering figure in Sant Mat history, authoring over 20 books of hymns and spiritual discourses, and founded the Darya Sahib line of masters, a spiritual movement with a large number of ashrams, Sat songs, and followers. Many of Darya's followers believe him to even have been the reincarnation of Kabir. Darya Sahib appointed several spiritual successors. Tulsi Sahib of Hathras probably connects back to Darya Sahib. Tulsi Sahib was born in 1763 and passed on in 1843. He would have been in his teens when Darya Sahib was still alive, old enough to have received initiation from him, in other words. Early in his life, Tulsi Sahib, did extensive traveling around India, including in Bihar district where Darya Sahib was, and certainly his 
successors continued to be. Tulsi Sahib eventually established a satsang in Hathras, India, which isn't too far away from Agra, where he initiated souls into Suritshab Yoga meditation. And his mission was contemporary with Santika Das of Bihar, a successor of Darya Sahib, providing us with yet another example of two recognized Sansat gurus operating in the world at the same time. From the book Darya Sahib, Saint of Bihar, we read, it was also made clear by Darya Sahib that these successors would have the right to appoint their own successors, and that is how the order would continue. On being asked by Fakhar Das, his brother, how long this order would continue, Darya Sahib replied that as long as the practice of the sound current remained central to the discipline, and the order kept pure and free from external rituals and formalism, the line would continue. When the practice of the sound current is mingled with outer appearances and external rites, the sound current or shabd will part company. Then the power transmitted by me, said Darya, will leave and the souls will go into the mouth of Kal. At that stage he would come to this world and start a line of the sound current once again. This is how he said he had been coming for eons. Thus having explained everything and all aspects of the saintly mission and having fulfilled the purpose of his life, he passed on his responsibilities to his spiritual successors and departed from this world in the year 1780. A fascinating description of what would cause someone like Darya Sahib or the reincarnation of Kabir to come back to the world during this age of Kali Yuga, this great epoch of time. We're working our way through what would cause him to come back again and reboot the mystic path on planet Earth. Fascinating, isn't it? Tulsi Sahib was of the opinion that Santmad, or the path of the masters, dates back to the time of Krishna thousands of years ago, and that Krishna knew of Sants back then during the time of the composition of the Bhagavad Gita. When has there ever been only one Santmat guru or one Gurumukh successor of the time in Santmat history? The answer is never has there only just been one. Sansat guru or living master at a time, at least before the days of Kabir, Nanak, and Dadu Dayal, several centuries ago. Paraphrasing Guru Nanak's Japji, countless are the gurus, countless the gadis, countless are the sants, countless are the mats or teachings, countless the satsangs, countless the satsangis. Of course, in the history of all of these groups, all of these groups are not the same. One size or description does not fit all. Not being aware of the existence of an obscure Santmat path does not make it false or of call or the negative power, any more than being intimately familiar with or even attached to or invested in a certain spiritual path necessarily 
makes it true. There are several stages or that groups might pass through. There are several steps or stages that groups might pass through. Spiritual paths might pass through during their history here in this ocean of samsara, this world of illusion and change. And after the break, I want to explore the stages of spiritual paths. Spiritual paths are like human beings with a lifespan, with a time of youth and growth and expansion and an eventual time of decline and withering and offspring that carries on the torch of spirituality elsewhere for another generation or two. The steps and stages of spiritual paths we'll explore after the break. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio. Stay tuned. Masters, competent, qualified, enlightened, genuine spiritual teachers, or Sansat Gurus, today on Spiritual Awakening Radio, is my focus. All groups are not the same. Spiritual paths are like human beings with a lifespan. World religions are like that as well. From the mystic point of view, world religions are not simply geographical, Christianity being from the Middle East, Islam, the Arabic you know, uh, states, uh, Saudi Arabia, North Africa, Indonesia, Buddhism, China, Japan, India, Tibet. There, there are different stages. There is the initial beginning stage of a world religion where you have a living teacher with a circle of disciples gathered around the Bodhi tree or on the mount, listening to the Sermon on the Mount. A living teacher and a circle of disciples. These world scriptures or holy books did not drop from the sky. They were composed by living teachers and copied and shared from generation to generation. So we have the living master stage. But at some point, the successors of the apostles are no longer being recognized, and you have the establishment of some sort of council or house of justice that takes over. And the shift goes from composing scriptures to interpreting scriptures of the past and you get a kind of hierarchical structure and institution phase of religion and that institutional phase of religion can be at times more aggressive or hostile toward mystic type spiritual movements with living teachers continuing in that same original tradition of the living teacher and a group of disciples gathered around them institutions tend to say that was okay back then but not now the age of scriptures has come to an end uh, we are only uh, reading past scriptures from centuries ago 
Nobody is uh, a living prophet. Nobody is composing scriptures now. But the mystics beg to differ. They say what is true then is still true and going on now. And they do not have an institutional, hierarchical uh, type religion with a house of justice or council. It's the same as it was, a, a living teacher, a living apostle, and a circle of disciples, and new scriptures continue to be written. There are many groups, many spiritual paths. They have a kind of lifespan with different steps and stages. There are several stages groups might pass through during their history here on planet Earth, this ocean of samsara, this world of illusion and change. Some are legitimate and in the alive category, with both guru and disciple having inner experiences or a rich contemplative life. Inner regions are experienced during meditation, not simply are the basis for theory and mythology. For them, mysticism is not reduced to theory confined to books or legends, but is something that they experience during their own meditations. There are groups that have lost their living guru fairly recently, and he or she appoints no successor. Thus, no new people get initiated in those groups. The light grows dim as the remaining disciples pass from the scene. There are many examples of that throughout history. A few larger organizations may be on their way to becoming new world religions or institutions, shifting from that master stage that I mentioned earlier to that institution stage with councils and hierarchies of bishops interpreting past inspiration. There are groups where no one has inner experiences, period, no inner light, no mystic sound, no water in the well, only dusty cups used to quench the thirst of others who live decades or centuries earlier. Some become or are gradually becoming mainstream religions administered by a house of justice or council looking to past inspiration, relics, and have lots of buildings and temples. There are always a few cults, crazy cults, unethical teachers around in each and every generation making headlines, manipulating people, adhering to a cultic model. Some look for disciples in the West and seem to be sort of corrupted by trolling for disciples all the time in the West willing to change their teachings, anything to get in the news, anything to have more followers, and thus become more and more astral with each passing day as the ranks swell with a growing New Age population. We may ask, who is converting whom? In other words, uh, rather than gaining disciples from the West, they become sort of westernized or become New Age as they attempt to reach out to New Age populations. They lose their original teachings and morph into something else. There are sadhus with some degree of attainment that have helped the souls that have crossed their path, and that's a wonderful thing. There have been nice-guy gurus without much spiritual attainment, but nevertheless seem harmless and have helped many to make the world, uh, you know, have helped to many souls and have helped to make the world a somewhat better place by spreading around some fairly rare teachings and ethical principles to larger audiences. 
In other words, with such a long list of newer and older spiritual paths will be found groups representing many different stages and states of consciousness, levels of development, vibrancy or decline, crisis and renewal, being alive or declining in health and withering away. You'll find all of these different states uh, you know, and stages of development happening in uh, many different spiritual paths. It's probably one of the most difficult subjects to objectively explore. And there are empire builders and original source groups. After the break, I hope to delve into this. There are big groups with millions and millions of followers, and then there are smaller remnant groups or earlier groups that they sprang from. And we see this in Christianity. You have St. Paul on the, on the trail to Rome, and then you've got little tiny uh, Ebionite groups uh, that uh, he was familiar with, but most Romans were not familiar with. Big versus little. Empire Builders versus Original Source Groups. After the break, you're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio. Stay tuned. Masters, competent, qualified spiritual teachers, spiritual paths. My focus today on Spiritual Awakening Radio. Empire builders versus original source groups. There are pluses and minuses with both approaches to spiritual paths. Big groups have millions of followers. Their golden temples or golden arches, if you will, are visible in many cities. They act as corporate chains, if you will, spreading around standardized creeds and recipes, sharing with humanity at least some ideas that emanate from a traditional school of spirituality. With their visibility, they do introduce many people to concepts and practices, meditation techniques that they may not have been aware of before or exposed to previously. And that's generally a good thing. I put the Apostle Paul's version of Christianity in this category of empire building or corporate chain religions. Paul versus the Essene Ebionite or Gnostic remnant is a useful analogy here. If one were alive during the first century in the ancient Greek city of Ephesus on the west coast of Anatolia, it is most likely that you would have heard about the message of Jesus from a representative of Paul's branch of Christianity. You would receive a version of the gospel edited from a Paul perspective. At the time, it might even seem like the one and only true perspective. One probably would not even think of Paul's movement as a distinct branch of Christianity. One might assume that there is only one group a single monolithic church, universal and triumphant, the one and only. Only after being informed by that tradition for a period of time would there be the possibility or likelihood that one might eventually learn of other branches or versions of Christianity, independent of Paul's brand, if you will. 
one might even at some point be attracted to one of those other branches, perhaps with a different apostolic succession, like to St. Thomas or James the Just or Mary Magdalene, finding it much uh, better, finding more wisdom, more depth and satisfaction, a rich spiritual heritage with genuine Aramaic roots closer to the original unvarnished message and vision of the historic Jesus in one's estimation. Without your encounter with the big name, empire building path, you know, and best-selling author and, you know, visibility, you might have never had the luxury of digging deeper and unearthing other possibilities, discovering a more mystical spiritual community to join or to defect to. Thus, I observe, there is a legitimate role for both the empire-building paths, as well as the lesser-known source communities that originally, several generations prior, you know, gave birth to them, existing in the contemplative quietude of an inner circle of disciples in Jerusalem before 70 AD and further to the east in uh, Qumran or uh, Nag Hammadi, and uh, you can extend that into the, the Sant tradition as well. Some people might have noticed some book about inner light and sound meditation and felt really drawn to it. Uh, but then they realized that that inner light and sound meditation tradition comes from India and then go, hey, let's check out these other branches of this light and sound movement and learn more about these others. And so... Once again, the highly visible, best-selling author or empire-builder type path attempting to recruit people in the West can, for some who are genuine spiritual seekers, be a kind of jumping-off point or stepping stone to finding about other light and sound paths. Just like in early Christianity, you might say, who is this St. Paul fellow and the gospel that he preaches? And then, you know, eight years later, you're reading the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. You're saying, hey, who are these other people that are also in the Christian category? And, you know, you, you may like one of those others better. Empire builders versus original source groups. Cut off have been my people for lack of knowledge, it says in the Hebrew book of Hosea. That verse from the prophet Hosea in the Old Testament sums up the human condition quite nicely. Being cut off without full access to knowledge or gnosis or spiritual guidance about attaining advanced states of meditation and enlightenment without even knowing what it is we might be missing with heredity and, and environment working against us. Sometimes we're misled by others and misled by dusty demerugic religious institutions steeped in ritual tradition and earthly politics and other concerns, sometimes misled by our very own ego-dominated self. So who is there who is free of this labyrinth of ego, mind, and matter, and tradition, and therefore who can help us escape? Who can we turn to? Who can we trust to be a worthy Sherpa guide on this unfamiliar path of ascension. One may join a living school of spirituality, a mystic order or lineage, 
Perhaps this lineage or path has been in existence for many centuries. One may find that the wisdom of mystic paths is not solely based on ancient scriptures, scrolls, parchments from the past, but have a living teacher, living Hildegards, living Rumis, living Buddhas, living Kabirs, a living master, a living Meister Eckhart, a living one, a living mystic or saint with us now, here on terra firma in the 21st century. No longer are we looking back in time, going on an archaeological dig to Nag Hammadi or to the Middle Ages, sifting through the sands of time. It is possible to sit at the feet of a living teacher in the 21st century. Living students can have living teachers, and it's very exciting when one finds a teacher that they truly trust as being genuine and true and feel spiritually fed for the first time, no longer looking backwards in time to scriptures from days gone by, wondering what their meditation practice might have been like. What did the Gnostics do for a spiritual practice? All just speculation, all fuzzy, out of focus, all conjecture. But it is possible to go from mystery and conjecture to sitting at the feet of a living teacher and learning a spiritual practice. More Spiritual Awakening Radio coming up. Living students have living teachers, for it is the ability to truly listen that gives birth to an awareness of a message and an appreciation of a messenger. An infinite God could never have a limited number of inspired words, or be forever bound by bookbinders. If there is no inspiration now, how could there ever have been any inspiration in days gone by? There is also no missing element or trace mineral once present in the water supply during the Middle Ages or earlier times, but now gone that once caused the appearance of prophets and saints and allegedly accounts for their absence now. What was true then is true now, the same need that brought great souls into the world during past centuries is still with us. My experience and belief is that the age of prophets, apostles, masters, or saints is still with us, that there is a living gnosis now. There are living masters in the world today. The reality and not the illusion of having a guru begins here with this openness to the possibility of living ones now. One such living teacher by the name of Swami Santseviji Maharaj describes so well the process, the mission, the goal, the role of the living teacher. He said, Another common misconception is that prophets, saints, and mystics search for new truth. Rather, what they do is to simply remove the layers of dirt, of accumulated misinterpretations that have corrupted the truth. Then the living teacher will bring forth the very same truth in a new light. The original truth must repeatedly be presented to suit the current age. 
I have a few mandates, part of my spiritual mission, as I mentioned earlier. Mandates for using radio and the web to promote the vegan cause, to reduce suffering in the world, the suffering of human beings, animals, and the environment. Also to promote an awareness of the lost spirituality of the West, such as the once existent lost books of the Bible and Gnostic Gospels, showing the universal truths, the common threads, showing the teachings and mysticism that once upon a time existed in those scriptures and the spiritual paths that composed them. I'm also here to promote a clearer understanding and appreciation of the love, the devotion, the bhakti, and wisdom of the classic saints of India and more recent saints. I especially always seek to share with everyone the wisdom of Sant Tulsi Sahib and his spiritual successors up to the living present, greatly benefiting everyone, no matter what their path may be, no matter who their initiating guru happens to be, if they are already initiated and following a teacher. One may join a living school of spirituality. There are living Rumis, living Kabirs, living Buddhas, living teachers in the world today. A living mystic or saint is with us now here on terra firma in the 21st century. Indeed, many such teachers. The leader of a spiritual movement must always be the embodiment of truth. Without a competent master, a spiritual movement will not be capable of being an instrument in the world for the positive power or God. As the author William Arthur Ward once said, the mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, the great teacher inspires. I want to share with you an ode to the Sant Sat Guru. It was composed a few years back to commemorate Master's Day, a holiday on the Indian calendar also known as Guru Purnima. In praise of the Sant Sat Guru, in praise of the Sant Soul of Love, who has reached the spiritual realm above and merged in God. Hail to the competent living master, the qualified teacher, rare to find in this world, so few and far between, the true one, a genuine mentor of souls, a righteous and worthy guide, a fearless being, light giver, leader of a spiritual community. With gratitude to the competent living one, in a sea of samsara, illusion and world of changes, of falsehood and posing, of endless marketing, there is a bright light in the darkness. The silent music becomes audible. At the feet of such a loving, radiant one, the soul cannot help but find the inner light and slip into deep samadhi meditation. In the eyes of a saint are love, wisdom, light, compassion, grace, a reflection of God in this realm of the material plane. The master power connects the soul with the supreme Lord of Love. A Guru Purnima Ode 
to the Sant Sat Guru, composed out of devotion for Swami Sant Seviji Maharaj. I want to share with you a list of books, recent and living contemporary books of the path of the masters of the Sant tradition of India, some recommended reading. Feel free to send me a text message or an email. I can send you more information about these very special, very important books that will help explain the Sant tradition very clearly. Some wisdom from rural India, unaffected by the West, unaffected by the Internet, a very pure message of the Sants that's been circulating in rural India, you know, for centuries. One book is called Philosophy of Liberation, or Moksha Darshan, a manual of Sant-Mat mysticism by Maharishi Mehi Paramhans in the lineage of Tulsi Sahib. Also the Padavali, or mystic poetry about inner experiences by Maharishi Mehi. Now also an online book. Harmony of All Religions by Swami Sant Seviji that I've quoted a couple of times during today's program. Also A Spiritual Seeker's Guide, a wonderful book for the new spiritual seeker. And The Inward Journey of the Soul by Swami Vyasanand, a new Living Master book that just has made its way to Amazon. I can send you links I can send you more information about these very special books. My email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com james at spiritualawakeningradio.com or send a text message to this number 508-603-9381 Tune in again next week at this same time for another edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio.